Good morning and welcome to Rural Queensland today on this Thursday morning, the 8th of June. A very good morning to everybody listening to us through 4SB in Kingaroy, 4ZR in Roma, 4VL in Charleville, 4HI in Emerald, 4LM Mount Isa, 4LG Longridge, 4GC Charters Towers and the Hot Country Network. Good morning to you. Spotify is where you can catch up with any of our latest shows. Just go to Ben Dobbin, Rural Queensland today and you'll catch up with all the latest in going on on Rural Queensland today. We've got a huge show for you. Marcus Kerr. Um, and it's not Marcus talking politics. Uh, this is a special, special chat and an amazing event happening on the 9th of August. We'll catch up with him shortly. We're going to talk with Robbie Catter. Annabelle Hickson will join us. We'll catch up with Harry Clark and Anthony Highland talking Dolby, and we'll give you an update on the markets as well. Big show for you, Rural Queensland Today with Ben Dobbin. Marcus Kerr joins us next. This is Rural Queensland Today on the Resonate Broadcast Network. You're with Ben Dobbin. Welcome back to Rural Queensland today on the Resonate Broadcast Network. It's Thursday morning, the 8th of June. So much to get through this morning, but it is my great pleasure to welcome Marcus Kerr to our show. Now, Marcus has been on here many times before. Uh, A lot of the times, he talks more sense than the politicians. But today is a special day why he is joining us. We have a massive fundraising opportunity that will be taking place in Brisbane um, on Wednesday, the 9th of August. Now, it's a luncheon um, which has a kicker to it, but it is, in essence, raising money for the Pericross Spinal Research Foundation. All money will be raised, will be there to support spinal injury research and a cure for paralysis. It has got so much to this and so many layers. Marcus Kerr, good morning. Um, Mate, an early start for you because I know you love your sleep. Good morning, mate. How are you? Oh, that was a low boat. Yeah, morning. How are you? Really good, yeah, mate. Uh, this is a pretty special lunch. Just talk us through. I mean, it, it's well documented. We we all have children, and they're the most important thing in the world to us. You know, you hate it when one of your kids has challenges, and you want to do everything you possibly can. This isn't about you, but you guys have had your own challenge in your lives, and you make doing something about it rather than sitting there and and saying, "Geez, poor us." You're actually looking for a reason. To make a difference, yeah, mate. Our daughter Georgia was um, had a, a, a spinal bleed in um, on the fourteenth of August, two thousand and twenty-one, um, and as you can imagine, we went through you know, pretty difficult twelve months at least. Or it's still it's still difficult at times, but we sort of the first twelve months were very difficult, and um, and I suppose with her and. You know, when your daughter looks you in the eye and goes, um, you know, you can see the fear in her eyes and, you, and, you, and you're not sure what you can do about it. And as a father, you're sort of used to fixing everything and you can't. I, I guess um, I guess we, we, I just went out of my way to, to try and see if we could help the Perry Cross Foundation that was that is actually trying to fix things. And um, they basically need $3.5 million to do, a few, do their first human trial. So... In the scheme of things, they'll be able with governments doing what they're doing. Today, it's not a lot of money, and, and um, we'd love to be able to to be able to raise that to, to do trials at the end of the year. It, it's quite an unbelievable story, and, and what you say is right. As a father, and 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 I say this with the deepest respect, Marcus, but no one's ever stopped you in your way. Everything that you've wanted to do, whether it's a fundraising or whether it's developing country or whether or not it's selling cattle or, or camp drafting, buying. Or, you, you, You've been singular focused and you've done it. How difficult is it for, yeah, I mean, Georgia is so brave and we've talked off air many times about this, but as a dad, how difficult is it because you, 
you literally can't fix this problem overnight. You, 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 can, you, you know what needs to be done, but it's a time thing, obviously, and, and it's something, and something that's so difficult considering you can't control it. It's horrendous, mate, especially for, for my personality because I like to fix things. Yeah. And I couldn't. And I just had to do exactly what you said. It's a time thing. And um, and she's great. And, and so I was going to actually move on to say how, how incredible she was with, with dealing with it as well. You know, like she was, she's, she's been unbelievable. But, but um, you know, just going to places like making strides on the Gold Coast and, and the PA, the, you know, the first couple of months at the PA in Brisbane, and you're seeing other young people there with, with they're, they're desperate and, and you know all they want to do is be able to feed themselves you know the, the, the whole priorities of what affects everyone in life and, the, and all our stupid little our stupid little worries that mean nothing and you see young people like that they're on the cusp of going to the Olympics or skateboarding or whatever there was one young guy and um, and couldn't and, and couldn't even feed himself I mean it's just um, yeah you can't, so you can't even it, you can't even yeah you can't you can't comprehend it and um so I've just, yeah, I would like to do something to help. This happens to a lot of families, and a lot of families have these challenges. Now you can sit in the, in the wallow, and I say that, and and mope and and kick rocks, which I'm sure. And at stages, Marcus, I'm sure you've done it. I'm sure Shelley and you have done it. All the kids, but you've just decided enough's enough, and you're making a difference. And and this is the reason. For today's conversation, um, August the 9th, you are raising big bucks and you are raising having a fundraising luncheon in Brisbane. Now, this has taken a lot of work, an enormous amount of work, to raise money for the Pericross Spinal Research. And it does coincide with the ECA um, beginning on that Saturday and most people will be down there. A lot of people will get there for the judging on the Thursday and the Friday. But the 9th of August is a significant day um, for the Perry Cross um, Foundation because of what you are doing. Yeah, there's actually a Facebook page. It's called um, City Country Raising Bucks. So anyone can look to have a look about it or know more about it can go into that and have a look. Um, the tickets, are, tickets are open on sale on the 20th of June on Eventbrite. Um, so, yeah, it's... Um, it's a pretty special so thing, one, though, because thing you- because what what it is, um, is that you are holding this amazing luncheon at the Ecker Grounds, but you're also holding for the first time ever a bull ride at the lunch. Bull ride, and there's going to be people so fancy having a, uh, raising money for for um, stem cell research and they're having a bull ride. But it's, a, it's I suppose it's about that. It's about being able to do what we want to do in life, whether you're driving a car or. or you know, show jumping or, I mean, whatever, football or whatever. I mean, they all, they're, it's all a risk of running, having spinal injuries and, and um, we'd like to be able to do it with, you know, young people especially do, it, do what they do without living in fear of that, I guess. This is a very, very big lunch. And as we said, tickets go on sale on Wednesday the 20th of June. And, and here at Rural Queensland today and throughout my networks, we will be promoting this heavily. Uh, I've had much to do with the Perry Cross um, Spinal Research. I've hosted their lunch the last couple of years in Brisbane, but this is my priority um, till this is on. Now, we have some announcements, obviously, with some guest speakers, but we have potentially, and we're just waiting for a little bit of confirmation before we go and announce it. It's 99% sure one of the biggest names 
in the sporting landscape will be talking there. Um, there is live auctions, but it is more about the bush and the city coming together to raise money for the Pericross Spinal Research Foundation. You've made this not about you, Marcus, which is unbelievable when all you'd love to do is be able to to help Georgia and find this way and get that. And this is about a bigger picture. This is about uh, everybody that is facing these challenges to try and get a cure um, and get some research done that we can now change the stars for these young men and women and for anybody that goes through this catastrophic injury but it all take place in the process. We're going to have a lunch and a beer and a rum and coke and, and tell some lies and make some money and, and watch a bull ride at the Ecker Grounds. It'll be a lot of fun, Dobbo, and I'd just like to thank you for all your support. And You forgot to mention that you're the MC. <laughs> <laughs> that one. I left that out as well. Yeah, look, um, please go to the Facebook page, City Country Raising Bucks. Now, this is out there. And um, everything, all the details are there. And it will be a sold-out lunch. And I suspect people from far and wide will want to come to this. So get in quick because we are doing everything we possibly can to raise as much money. Tickets will go on sale on the 20th of June. Um, And the luncheon, well, it's Wednesday the 9th of August. Royal International Convention Centre, 12.30 start. Bull ride to follow drink to follow after that it will be unbelievable marcus kerr made it such 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 an unbelievable thing you're doing and i really appreciate for you and shelly as well both of you unbelievable and thank you so much for being with us this morning uh, thanks everyone we'd like to thank you for your support as well thank well, you well we'll make sure that we are going to cover this all the way through uh, to the very end and we will be doing uh, countless updates and talking to different people involved in it city and country raising bucks go to the facebook page that's where all the information is an unbelievable story from a tragedy. Amazing things can happen. Uh, that is Marcus Kerr. This is Rural Queensland Today on the Resonate Broadcast Network. You're with Ben Dobbin. We'll take a break. Come back with more. Rural Queensland Today on the Resonate Broadcast Network. Robbie Catter, leader of the Catter Party here in Australia, joins us this morning. Robbie, good morning. Thank you so much for joining us. The state budget handed down next Tuesday at 2 p.m. I mean, I know there's a wish list. Are you going to get anything you want? No, but it doesn't hurt to ask, Dobbo. Um, you know, my experience in politics is, you know, no one ever comes and says, thanks very much, mate, shake your hand and gives it to you. But quite often, um, it might be a year later, it might be two years later, but you see the same thing um, appearing and you say, well, there you go. Um, you know, they, they did. someone did listen somewhere along the line. So if you can pump some good ideas into them and some good opportunities for them to do something decent, and you know, I think that's the best we can do as politicians. Yeah, you're dead right. Um, talk to me about what w- what you'd like. What 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 are you envisaging? Well, mate, I, you know, we we sat down in the KAP and probably separated from what we'd like to what some practical things we can reasonably expect. And um, you know, I guess for the starting point, if you said what I liked, it'd be that they'd um, that they'd cap their spending on the Olympics and, and so that there's something more available to uh, regional areas, but. And the things that we sort of targeted, there was, um, you know, housing's a big issue everywhere, but there's answers in the regions on housing with the first home buyers grant and, and applying that to existing homes. And the best example I can give of that, of how that would apply, some, like, say, somewhere like Huondon, um, towns like Huondon used to house 2,000 people. They're full of, old, full of old homes now that no one wants to do up or is reluctant to do up because it's hard to get your money back and... Uh, a lot of these small rural towns, 
and there's no incentive. But the same young couple that was going to, you know, think about buying Hewenden uh, can get it. They can get the first home buyer's grant. I think it's 20 grand, isn't it, to go and buy a project home in Townsville in a bigger state. And yeah. so, you know, that's what they're inclined to do. And there's all that congestion and um, undersupply issues in the cities and the metropolitan areas where first home buyer's grant. So why not apply the first home buyer's grant to existing homes so that there's thousands and thousands of homes west of the Great Divide in these towns that um, people would see an opportunity if they was incentivised to do that. And we're not talking big numbers to do that. So pull a bit of number out, pull a bit of, uh, pull a, you know, a few um, um, dollars off the Olympics budget and put it against that and you'd take a lot of congestion off the housing in Queensland. So that was one of the things uh, that we said, the patient travel subsidy scheme for again, anyone living west of the Great Divide or even in regional towns on the coast. They've got to travel. There's less and less services by specialists offered in the hospitals. So patient travel subsidy becomes absolutely essential to people when they're going to visit Townsville or Brisbane or Rockhampton for their um, specialist appointments. And they're not keeping up with inflation. So um, a lot of people in the ill afford it. The bush um, are falling short of patient travel subsidy. It's about time it was increased to, um, you know, they, they take our doctors and services away. The least they can, they can do is compensate us fairly for having to travel. Um, that was an, another thing that we were after, and um, and um, mate, and thirdly, like you know, we just want to see some decent investment out there, um, you know, roads and that sort of thing. Um, surely they can do a little bit better with that. I uh, sorry, in the last one was the, the youth crime, um, you know, youth crime burning issue up here, and um, we know we need some remote sentencing, and uh, to do that, you need the money in the budget. So we want to see that as well, and that's. Um, you know, that'd be great for people in um, in regional Queensland that are um, they're experiencing the scourge on crime. If they can see some, and we're not talking about big numbers in the budget again. So it's very practical these asks, and um, and you know we should have some expectation of some buy-in, but let's see what happens. Yeah, that's the big thing. Let's see what happens um, going forward. Th- that to me um, seems the biggest thing. Now the youth crime we've spoken. We, I mean, I'm reading this morning in the Country Life, you know, and 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 also in the Courier Mail. Steal a car one day, get arrested the next day, out on bail the next, um, and you know, give the bird on Snapchat to the police and 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 have a crack. I mean, relocation sentencing policy is everything that the Cater Party have been a part of, and it's something that you guys have talked about countless times. It's got to change. This has to change. Yeah, and, um, you know, now we've had the ex-Director-General of Corrective Services in Queensland, one of the longest-serving in history, has said um, that's exactly what needs to happen. One one of our um, top cops that's um, come out in the papers and saying we need uh, remote sentencing, and uh, we've even had, even interviewed a criminal in Cairns that said, really, I just want to get out of town. And he was pretty recalcitrant, this, this young bloke, saying... And, you know, he wasn't that engaging, but one of the things he did mention was that if I, if I could get away from this all. And so even the criminals themselves are saying, get us out of town. And so um, the dam's got to break at some point, and with the government need to wake up. So uh, it, it's not getting any better, mate. And um, and they just keep hitting their sheep. The Premier just keeps hitting their... Yeah, she's, wall, she's, so. she's lost the plot without a run this. I'm, I'm sorry. It's been dreadful. Um, I will finish you with um, the first home guys, Grant. We've seen interest rates uh, soaring. Um, th- there's no 
There's no incentive to, for, for the young couples to want to get into a house at the moment. We need to actually make people want to get and have an appetite to buy. It's, it's the mm. government that need to take control over this. You'd like to see this improved dramatically. Yeah, yep. And, um, and you know, again, essentially in the regional areas to have some application. Like, um, you know, here on Richmond, Julia Creek, there's not a lot of new houses being built in the last 20, 30 years. Like, there's, that's, that's not, there's no opportunity in that first home buyer's grant and as soon as you move out of the metropolitan areas. And, um, and the economics just doesn't work, and it's very difficult to get your money back on it. You know, it's a, you're looking to be a four hundred four hundred thousand dollar bill. Well, there's scarcely a, a property that sells above two or three hundred thousand in a lot of those towns. So um, it's it's very very hard for them to gauge in, in any of those sort of incentives that keep getting rolled out by um, government two thousand kilometres away that don't understand these dynamics. So yeah, it'd be good for them to have purpose fit. Um, incentives and that also apply to the regions and particularly the western areas. So, um, we, you know, we've been calling it for, for a number of years now, but we just have to keep beating the drum on that because um, there needs to be some incentives in place to allow some young couples and and not necessarily young couples, but new home buyers who are mostly young couples who want to incentivise them and particularly incentivise them where it comes to rural and regional areas and that means they need to access those existing homes. So the town of Hewlandon used to have 2,000 people in it. Now, not many houses have been knocked down or removed, but now they've got 1,000 people. Now, the population's down to 1,000, but they're saying there's a housing shortage. That tells you there's a lot of old homes there. There's plenty of homes there, but just knowing, you know, people's expectations have increased, as mine have. You know, we all want to live in nicer houses now, so not ex- we're not going to live in the old squatters' quarters. And um, um, and um, and it's right. And, uh, so. It's so it's so true. It's so true. So you need to be able to do them up. You need an incentive to renovate those houses, not just build new. So the first home buyers grant needs to extend to existing homes, so that you can claim back, let's say, a hundred thousand dollars of renovations on an old, um, an old Queenslander in in Hewenden. You can do the renovations, improve it to your modern standards. A house that's already there. Otherwise, these houses in these small towns is going to keep going to rack and ruin, and no one's going to want them because people's yeah people's expectations are high now. I mean, even for God's sake, the um, public housing now they they'll knock out. You know, he can be in a town of Camwell or one of these remote areas where people are living in little humpies and stuff, and um, they'll say, "Oh, we're knocking that down because it's not to modern standards." So you know, everyone's yeah. standards are changed now. Yeah, you're and, right. Um, and, yeah. You're right. Appreciate your time. Thanks so much for being with us this morning, Robbie, as usual, mate. And uh, you're not far away from being a dad, so I hope that all that goes well again for you, mate. Appreciate your time this morning. Thanks for all the work you do, Dolo. Good on you. Robbie Carter, Rural Queensland Today, Thursday morning, 8th of June. We'll take a break, come back with more. Rural Queensland Today on the Resonate Broadcast Network. Let's head to Dolby and have a look at that market. Obviously, uh, a lot going on in that neck of the woods. Anthony Highland, Grant, Daniel Long, St. George joining us this morning. Only a tick over 3,000 head there yesterday, mate. And the job, not a lot of improvement on the weeks gone by. No, Ben, not not realistically, no. Um, Prices very similar, albeit a little bit cheaper than the previous week. A few Western cows that were there, Sold a bit better, but look, no cow realistically over two dollars twenty there yesterday. Uh, heavy bulls, yeah, two dollars sixty, um, but not a lot on offer. Uh, bullocks, two dollars fifty to two dollars seventy. Again, um, you know, not a lot on offer, but uh, they still wanted to buy cattle. 
but they're all certainly working at their what they're doing on their grids at the moment, and, and that's where the market is. So not a lot there, and um, but, but yeah, no no improvements. And, and and so you see that, and obviously that doesn't bode well heading towards the end of the year. And we know as we go towards the end of the financial year, it sometimes can always be a fraction softer. But the thing about it is now is that you've got to weigh in and have a look at, you know, where, where is it? Are they full up? Um, and this store job, it, it, it's starting to get awfully cheap um, in, in places. Quality obviously is staying there, but there is, if you're off the beat at all, you know, uh, it, it is a fraction easier. Yeah, for sure. And, uh, a, you know, we've seen this market coming to where it is at the moment and we've felt it's gotten a little bit uh, a little bit cheap. So we, we've certainly been in the market the last few weeks and, and you know, trying, trying to put some cattle together for the back end of the year. If it, you know, if it rains at the end of this winter and we start a spring and an early summer, well, <clears throat> sort of if you can hold a few cattle, I think it's certainly worthwhile getting them into. But the market has been very much quality related then and not, not just, um, you know, the, the condition of cattle, the, the, the dead set quality and, and some breed type in particular. Um, you know, the, the store condition catalyst, yeah, they're selling well. They they want them. It's it's um probably some of those cattle that come out of some northern cows. Uh, no offence to the northern crew, but some of these cattle that have been recycled out of some northern cows from the last couple of seasons are now probably uh, being left out uh, behind in the market compared to where they were this time last year. So, but there's plenty of buyers still there, Ben. Um, but you know, it's a few smaller yardings getting towards the end of the financial year. Get you know midway through winter, well. Hopefully not far away from turning things around again. Yeah, and that's the big thing that we're going to you're obviously going to see as well. Um, there is a lot to see like that. What's the what's the sentiment in the bush? You know, we're seeing heifers making, you know, two bucks somewhere around there. We're seeing cows and calves back towards that thousand. You're seeing a feeder steer make a thousand dollars. What 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 is the sentiment? Is it this is the bottom, or there's still pain to come? No, it certainly certainly feels a bottom, and we don't know. We want to talk about pain, but it, I think it was pretty painful before the drought when we were selling cattle for a dollar fifty and a dollar eighty. We thought it was good then, but you know we, we've seen a massive high, and and you know is it reality? I'm not sure, but um, um, you know, look, uh, feeder steers. If, if if you can be four eighty kilos, well, they're still fifteen hundred and fifty dollars. You can buy you can buy a store steer now from. Uh, you know, a plus two hundred kilos from seven hundred to nine hundred. Well, if you can roll it into a feeder, you know you're still looking at a pretty fair trade at the end of the day. I, I see heifers are, are, are significantly cheap. They they really are. Um, you know, we're seeing good soft types of cattle that uh, you know they've just been so strong for the last three years, and and now we're seeing them at two dollars thirty and forty and. You know, I think uh, I think it's a very good option for if someone had a you know bit of spare room and that's what it's showing. Ben, the see the summer season didn't come with us a bit, and yeah. we haven't really seen a lot for the crop, have we, for the oats? But you know, there's there's uh, there's a bit around. You know, you, you drive down some of these roads and you see a bit of crop. Well, the few blokes that are only four or five weeks away, of, or you know, three to five weeks away from getting into a bit. So. Um, yeah, that will change. Anyway, that well, will change yeah. things as well, um, considerably. Yeah. Um, um, that you, you would think that the, the oats crop would definitely would definitely try and change things, and, and obviously put a a bit more a bit more of a spring into the step of some of these markets, mate. Well, I, I know looking at what was out, out in our run and a few other trips, but 
there's not many feeder weight cattle left out in the system out here. Like we, you know, big charge there, you know, a month ago when we finished up. But there's there's not a lot of weighted cattle out here here now um, on what we've seen. So, you know, if 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 that's the same in the Maranara and wherever else it may be, well, the you know the feeder cattle, I, I don't I don't think they'll be there in a big charge. Um, you know, for the for the guys that, that want to put cattle on to the end of the year, um, realistically. But anyway, we we will we will see then. Yeah, we certainly will. Appreciate your time this morning. There was only um, three hundred and sixty four head in Gracemere yesterday, so we're not even going to to, to go and quote on that. Um, obviously, they you had know, a big of a day on Monday. They had a big day on Monday with their wiener and feeder sale, and obviously Tuesday was big as well. So. There was a lot of cattle through that, that neck of the woods over the last couple of days as well. Appreciate your time. Thanks so much for being with us um, this morning, Anthony. Um, so much to go through as well. 3,948 head in supply um, through the Dolby Sale Yards. It was a fraction cheaper um, across the board, but um, you know, as expected leading into and with the winter and leading into the end of the financial year and obviously the oversupply going into the abattoirs. We'll take a break, come back with more. Thanks, mate. We'll catch up with you again next week. Thanks, Ben. Have a good week. Good on you. Rural Queensland today. Welcome back to Rural Queensland today on the Resonate Broadcast Network. It's the 8th of June across rural Queensland today. And our next guest is very well known throughout Queensland um, and also in the metropolitan areas in the southeast. His name is Harry Clark and he is the owner and founder of Country Cooler. And they are a regional news service and you can go to his website, countrycooler.com dot au anytime and harry's happy and i'm really happy to have him on our show joining us this morning for the first time g'day mate how are you g'day dobbo i'm well thanks for having me on yeah so important to have you on so much going on in your neck of the woods i just want to start with the emergency services under resourcing like many rural queensland areas the western downs has got a huge problem with property and crime and car thefts. We saw some reports yesterday just about how serious that is. Um, Now, you know, we've also seen the under-resourcing and the poor police, just how short they are. Uh, The missing person involved last week, you were out there in the Barracoola Forest um, with the man Sidney Clark who's disappeared and the drama is that the police are just stretched that far at the moment. They can't obviously look after one area because they're all out doing another area, and, and and unfortunately for them, they're being criticised, and and it's quite unfair. Yeah, well, that's right, and I mean, you know, the situation in Chinchilla and the Western Downs is no different to a lot of other places. You know, just down the road, the crime in Gundawindi is a huge problem, but you know, it's no it's no different here in Chinchilla. We're getting uh, routinely cars stolen, homes broken into, cars are then later found burnt out. Um, you know, kids get arrested and then, you know, sent back out onto the streets and seem to continue doing it. And the police do their best to keep up with it. But uh, being in a small town, obviously, they're limited on the resources that they have to keep on top of this stuff. And um, and, and you're right, it, 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 it was noticed um, when the missing man, Sidney Clark, 79 years old, went missing uh, last week, the... Um, uh, gentleman had moved up from Victoria uh, only a week previously and was in the process of into his new place. Uh, he's taken a trailer up through Jurong. They're not exactly sure why, but perhaps to you know get some furniture or something. And he's become disoriented on the way home. Ended up in the Barracoola Forest, and that's 
um, commits this huge land and, and air search in the area. And uh, we've got a great, uh, you know, a volunteer um, a community in the, in the region. So the SES um, understand put forward up to 30 people to help in this search. But I went out there over the weekend when they were looking for Sydney Clark, and it was just uh, it was just a bit sad to see the mammoth task that these guys had. Yeah. You know, this is the uh, the the, the largest state Police. forest in yeah. the dominant. Ridiculous. And you know, they're they're, they're trying to find a, this uh, you know needle in a haystack, and obviously it's never going to be an easy task. But uh, you know, there, there must have been you know half a dozen police that were able to help with it, as well as the SES. They did have some some, some aircraft, but. Um, you know, you, you just wonder if um, you know, if you got missing in the state forest close to the southeast, whether the resources might have been there to to help find him. Could it have been a different outcome if uh, if there were more more police or emergency services and the help? Um, who knows? But uh, but you know, it certainly would have been would have been handy. And one of the quotes from the uh, acting inspector Greg Wheeler um, um, stood out to me. He said at the end when they when they eventually called the the search and this bloke had uh, un- unfortunately not been found. They just said, um, uh, you know, you know, he said that we've, we've exhausted all avenues um, with the resources that we have. And it was just a bit sad that, you know, um, uh, this life was, this bloke's life was in the balance and, you know, all, all he had to save him was the limited resources that, pe- that the police had at the time. Yeah. Can I ask how the police are doing and how the community is doing in Chinchilla? I mean, we're, we're, we're six months on from, the worst tragedy in our history, I, I, I think, with the police um, and, and just the absolute, I suppose, shock and, and, and of that Wambilla tragedy. How is the community doing and, and, and how are the police doing? Yeah, I think as good as you, you can be in those sort of circumstances. I mean, it's just an unthinkable, shocking tragedy and, a, and an episode of madness that took place here in December last year and uh, you know, the old cliche, we're a tight knit community. Everybody knows everybody. And we rally together to, um, to, 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 to move on from these sorts of, of instances. Yeah. Um, the police are very tight knit. They, you know, they are like a family in, in the area. You know, they, they swap and change, you know, some of them will come and fill in and do, you know, do a few months at miles or chinchilla and, and Tara they're all, um, they're all in the one, you know, Western Downs policing family. And, sure. uh, and, uh, no doubt they're, no doubt they're, fi- they're feeling it still. Um, there's some new faces that have joined the police in the, in the district and, um, and, uh, there's still, uh, an element of, uh, of a somber mood in the area. Um, you know, given that it was, and, and there probably always will be, I mean, as you said, it's a, certainly the, the the worst crime to occur in Queensland in my memory, certainly in my time as a journo. Um, but, uh, but, you know, we really do support our, support our police and they're, um, they're coping as best they can. We're talking with Harry Clark, um, owner and founder of, of Country Cooler, uh, countrycooler.com.au. Uh, no signs of obviously of Sydney Clark still. Um, so that, that investigation of some sort, is still missing as we speak. Rural maternity services, now, this has been something I've been banging on for a long, long time, and it's horrific what's going on in Chinchilla. Many, I've got an 18-year-old son, and many, many uh, of my children and, and, and children that I know were born, were born in Chinchilla. Uh, it's a proud, proud maternity service, and those days are long gone. I mean, we saw the horrific situation where there was a baby born on the side of the road because Dolby is now the closest port of call for anybody that wants to have a baby, and... This is a massive issue. We want to grow the regions, Harry, 
Yet even in Chinchilla, they don't have simple maternity services that were once just a, an absolute, a, an absolute. You know, didn't even think that we would not have them. No, that's right. It, not since twenty seventeen, I understand, has Chinchilla had a full time, uh, fully equipped maternity service. So since then. You expected mothers have had to um, access maternity services and go to have their babies in places like Dolby um, or Chinchilla. And again, you know, you live in the bush and you can't expect to have have everything. But um, you know, we've got a we, we, we've got a a, a Macca's here, a, a Subway here, uh, you know, coffee club. We've got our own traffic light here in Chinchilla now. <laughs> uh, you know, e, e, Elon Musk just built a battery just down the road. And, yeah. you know, you think if the, if the commercial and corporate sector can see the importance of, of an area like this and why can't Queensland health? And, um, uh, you know, it does lead to, lead to, lead to um, you know, pretty alarming situations like the one you mentioned with the lady board on the side of the road at Warra. And this is a booming region. I mean, you know, it, it's the it's the, the centre of the coal seam gas um, development and industry in Queensland and now renewables. We've got solar farms and wind farms going up left, right and centre. There's a hive of activity, a lot of young people, you know, young families in the region working. Um, the population of Chinchilla alone is 7,000 people. Um, surely you can, you, you can have a baby here. It's disgusting. It's absolutely disgusting. And it's something that we're going to obviously... You know, there's a bit going on at the moment. Um, Sharon Fenderman and other people, obviously, carrying on at the moment, and and you know, we're going to we're going to look into that. Um, the the big thing that the big thing that I think about this is that long term, you know, we need some answers, and obviously, people like yourself are asking that. And you're right, you know, we need to get more midwives, we need to get more nurses, we need to make more people want to live regionally. And either way that we do it, they're going to make some incentives. Now, quickly, you've got a um, a Legends game coming up next Saturday. Uh, the Chinchilla Bulldogs, a proud rugby league club, are, are putting on a pretty special day. Yeah, that's right. It's it's been a big year for for rugby league in the in the bush. Um, uh, you know, only a couple of weeks ago we had the Queensland the Frank Fisher Cup hosted in Chinchilla, and next week we've got the Legends of League coming out. Uh, now they're a bunch of um, bunch of sort of all stars from the from the you know the NRL who are who have uh, moved on from their careers, but they still come out. I think they've played ninety games around Australia. Uh, just in in regional and rural communities, and and basically what happens is the local club gets together some legends of their club. So next week at Bulldog Park in Chinchilla, we've got um we've got the likes of you know the great Chinchilla Bulldog Mickey Ashurst, Kingy uh, Keating, Cheesy Enberger, Iverson. They're all gonna lace their boots up again and take on none other than the likes of uh, Ben Hannett, uh, Semi Sidey, Scotty Prince. Uh, David Kerrigan, so it should be pretty interesting. And there's also, uh, you know, some re- some some rather old heads. A couple of sixty year old blokes are putting the putting the Gerdsy on. No, um, you know, Leo. Don't do it. Uh, Don't got do Noel it. O'Leary. They, they've been going to training three times a week, and and the president of the Bulldog told me the other day, the other day that uh, some of these old blokes are fitter than our current A grade side. So you know, <laughs> yeah. maybe they better look out. I um just quickly, how did uh, how did it end up, mate? Um, and and in all seriousness, how are the Bulldogs going, mate? And what time does that day kick off? I it, it goes all day. I think there are junior te- junior um, games going on throughout the morning, but by midday, I think we've got. Uh, uh, you know, it's a, it's a real sort of fun exhibition, ga- exhibition day. We've got a, a women's game at about midday, I think, and then we've got over 25s playing under 25s, which will be a pretty passionate game, I'd say. And then the main event 
uh, about three o'clock, I understand. But uh, uh, you can find the details of that on the Country Caller. But uh, yeah, it should be a good day and a, and, and a good showcase of, uh, of bush footy. Yeah, um, awesome. Appreciate your time, Harry. We'll talk again shortly, mate. Thank you so much. Countrycaller.com.au. Harry Clark, thank you so much for being with us. Thanks for having me, Dobbo. Good on you. We'll take a break, come back with more. This is Rural Queensland Today. It's Thursday morning, the 8th of June. Welcome back to Rural Queensland Today on the Resonate Broadcast Network. Ben Dobbin with you this morning. And our next guest uh, is a really good story. I love people that move or come from the city, um, like myself. She married a Western New South Wales farmer and then 12 years after moving west, uh, created Galar to be a platform for creative people. Galar magazine is something special. You should go and have a look at it on their website. Just unbelievable. Uh, her name is Annabelle Hickson and she joins us this morning. G'day, Annabelle. Thanks so much for being with us on Rural Queensland today. Thanks, Ben. What a lovely intro. Um, how does this something like this happen? Talk to me through it. I love stories um, d- like, and I love the fact that you now um, are like the voice of regional Australia. <laughs> well, I don't know if I'm the voice, but I'm certainly a voice yeah. and a platform that represents lots of voices. I know it's quite funny because, like you said, I came from the city. I grew up in Sydney and I really knew nothing about regional Australia. And, I mean, it's quite funny how, how things can change. Um, so I, you know, it's it's interesting though, I, I think like lots of people in Australia these days, you know, I didn't have any connection with regional Australia. You know, we're becoming such an urbanised country and it was almost with great surprise when I fell in love with a farmer and moved out here that I kind of saw this amazing life before me because before then, the news that had kind of cut through to me about life in the bush was droughts, fires, floods, and that basically life was pretty tough. Yeah. And you know, and, and I mean, absolutely those things happen and they are hard. But I this life in the bush for me has been it's been so good for me. It's been so good for my family. Everywhere I look I see interesting people doing interesting things. And I just thought we need to tell that story more than just about the hardships because there's a lot of reasons why we live out here and I just wanted to sort of focus more on that. So I decided to, to start a, a media company that does that. Yeah, and obviously um, your aim is to and, – and look, it's very much what what I do this show about and my life is committed in another world. Um, I have a very similar journey to you, but we are about championing rural and regional Australia and making sure that people get heard and get a voice. Now, you – have changed the narrative narrative by printing um, a magazine twice a year. And obviously that's been a huge part of your life and passion, but you've also um, got some pretty exciting things to try and get more people on board, which is something, you know, I mean, there's so many people who are out there who have your story, men and women who who just want to make a difference. And, and what you're doing now is championing those people and giving them an opportunity. Exactly. That's what the whole that's what the whole point of Galar is. And I guess every day I kind of sit at my desk and I think, what are different ways we can? How can we champion people differently? How can we champion skills and talent that exist here? I mean, I think you know Australians as a whole were so aspirational, and certainly when I was growing up, you know, you'd look overseas, and and that's where if you wanted to make it, you'd go overseas. And I think 
there has been a little bit of that in the bush too. Like um, unless you're involved in ag, you know, if you want to make it, you kind of move to the big smoke. But I think, you know, after COVID and actually even before COVID, more people were moving into regional Australia than were moving out. And that was the first time that had happened in a long time. And I, I think if we can shine the light on the talent that exists in the country, not not even just people who grew up in the country and made good in the city, but stuff that's going on here right now, we're going to attract even more people to come, even more skills to come, and it's just be a self-fulfilling, you know, prophecy. So I'm really interested in that. And something like this new project that we've got to do that, I am really excited about because Galar's got a big focus on the arts. Like I think that um, arts and culture and all that sort of stuff really makes a town. So even if you live in like a really ag-focused place, everyone wants to live in a town that has kind of diverse people and diverse things that you can be part of. And I think by supporting the arts, that kind of encourages that. Um, so we have, we've created a photography prize called the Regional Photography Prize. And it's open to, to enter. You have to live in regional Australia. I love this. And I know. So that's the only requirement. So you just have to live in regional Australia. And, you know, granted, our definition of regional is is very broad. It's basically all of Australia outside of Sydney, Melbourne and Brisbane. Um, but it's open to those people. And then the it's it's a, content, a contemporary photography, you know, competition. And the winner receives $25,000, which is on par with the big, big art prizes in the country. Well, it's Australia's richest regional photography prize. I went looking at this yesterday when I was doing my research. The Galara Regional Photography Prize is Australia's richest ever regional photography prize, $25,000 open prize. Um, Yeah, I mean, that's it. That's ridiculous. Now, that is whether or not you're in Cloncurry, whether or not you're down, you're in the wheat belt in Western Australia, whether you're down... You're in stall in Victoria or if you're in Warren in New South Wales, anywhere, you know, if you're in the yep. middle of the territory, if you live in regional Australia, you can enter into this prize, $25,000 open prize plus a $2,500 student prize. I mean, it's unheard of. It's unheard yeah, of it's- and, and, and it, it, it will create and hopefully uh, give people um, the shot they need because – Annabelle, you and I are living our dream. We, we we literally live our dream every day because we can champion we can champion r- rural and regional. But what about the people who can take? And oh, I always like photography, but you know, I'm trying to juggle being a mum and a wife, yeah. and you know, and working on the property and having to work yeah. another job, and you know, and there's no time. You know, will this give somebody the chance to to really take the bit and go with it? Um, and this is exactly yeah. How do how do people how do how do I apply? Talk us through the process. It's one thing to have it. What's the process? Well, it's really easy. You just go to our website, goourpress dot com, and then there's a page that's all about the photography. You can even just Google Galar Regional Photography Prize, and you'll end up in the right spot. And you know, we've got some guidelines. Have a read of them, um, and then it's just a simple matter of you know uploading your image. You can enter as many times as you want. It's, you know, it's we want to see what you see out there and we want to signal through this significant prize money that this art matters and that artists and photographers out 
in regional Australia matter and that they need to be taken seriously. And um, and also, too, we want to, because, I mean, the prize money is amazing, but what I think is even more exciting, you know, only one person receives that $25,000, but we're going to have a big exhibition of all the finalists. Awesome. We'll choose about 40 finalists. We're going to have a big exhibition in this like, gorgeous old industrial shed in Mwilambar. Um, and that the, we're going to have a big party, invite the finalists there, invite collectors, invite you know, and we want to sort of build networking opportunities for artists because when you do live out, you know, away from lots of things, kind of working out how to sell your f- photos can feel a little bit harder. But with networks like this, we thought that'd be great. And also just a chance to meet other people who are into taking photos as well, you know, because you've got to, it's nice to be able to kind of, your husband might not be <laughs> as passionate about photography as you are. And it's really, I found sort of networks, you know, of other people who are interested in writing and stuff like that's been absolutely formative to, to my career. So we just, we want to create as many opportunities as we can through this. And I, I just, I think it'd be wonderful. And also too, I mean, you can sell sell your work. So, I just love Because you know, the re- reality is you've got to, you, you need to fund, you know, your passion unless you have super deep pockets and not everyone does. And and so we just, I'm just so excited about this really. You know, all I, I can understand that. I think it's phenomenal. It's a difference. Australia's richest ever regional photography prize galarpress.com, it's real. It's happening. Um, you can go online now, and, and it is absolutely ha- happening. Annabelle Hickson is the brains behind Galar Magazine founder, and um, galarpress.com, please listening to us this morning across rural and regional Queensland, go and have a look at it. It just might be the shot you need. What an honour to have you on the show. Thank you so much, and I uh, really appreciate it. And we will stay in contact. When does this get judged and closed, and when does all this um, end? Because yeah, we'd uh, love to have you on again. Oh, I'd love to keep you updated. Okay, entries close 14th of August. Yep. And then uh, we've got this amazing judging panel. Um, they'll, they'll do the judging, and we will announce the finalists in, you know, sort of early November, and then we're going to have the big, exhibition in mid-November and we'll announce the winners. Wonderful. I really appreciate your time. Uh, Annabelle Hickson, thank you so much for being with us this morning. Pleasure, Ben. Thank you, Sam. Rural Queensland today on the Resonate Broadcast Network. You're with Ben Dobbin. We'll take a break, come back with more. Well, that's it from us here this morning on Rural Queensland today. It's the 8th of June, Thursday morning. Uh, The West Tigers take on the Titans tonight. That's the first game of the Telstra Premiership for this round. Have a great day. We're back tomorrow morning from 9am. Ray Hadley to join you next. And remember, when the wheat is ripe, keep the headers rolling in the paddock. We'll be back tomorrow morning on Rural Queensland Today with Ben Dobbin. Stay safe on the roads. Until next time, it's bye for now.